It's a special TX Water Polo podcast. On our Wednesday show, we shared excerpts of Joe's conversation with Baytown Sterling standout and Whittier College head coach Justin Pudwill. Now, you'll hear that entire interview covering Pudwill's journey from California to Texas twice. Before we share that conversation, polling for the quarterfinals of our Best of Texas High School tournament is now open, and you can find that at TXWaterPolo.com. And also be sure to check out Total Water Polo for all kinds of educational opportunities and news. Now, Joe with Justin Pudwill. Here you go. All right, welcome. Today we have Justin Pudwill, who is currently the head um, high school referee in Houston. He's all in, and Justin was also the head coach at uh, Whittier College in Southern California from 2007 to 2008 for both the men and uh, women. Welcome, Justin. How are you doing? Good, Joe. How are you? Good. How are, how are you surviving during our COVID-19 situation? It's interesting. Um, uh, there's a lot less people around and the weather's really nice, but yet you still aren't supposed to go anywhere, which is unique. So uh, For sure. having young, young kids makes it quite interesting, um, but it's been pretty good. I did recently with uh, my younger kids, we started um, gardening. <laughs> nice, nice, nice. So I will, um, it turned into a trip to the local nursery and I thought plants were cheap and no. then realized they are not cheap. So I am now going to make sure this garden survives <laughs> one way or the other. <laughs> that's probably how they, and that's probably how they do it. So, yeah. so um, just kind of tell us about, um, so how many kids do you have? I have four kids. I have um, 18, 16, nine and six. Nice. That is a, that is a nice wide range. Are, are you doing, besides gardening, are you doing kind of anything fun with yourself, your family and stuff like that? No. Um, you know, as, as, as you kind of know, you know, the, the couple coffee shops that I have kind of keep me busy in the morning half. Um, I think if the government were to shut down everything, you know, like say everybody go home for, you know, three odd weeks or whatever, which I don't think it will get to, but I was kind of hoping because then I would have, um, I vowed to learn a musical instrument in like three weeks. I was going to make sure I, I got that done. But how long have you been uh, telling yourself that you do that though? Well, since this started, okay. Not, uh, yeah, no, I, I do. I, I would love to learn a musical instrument. Like it's, I, I love music. That's a, a whole nother, uh, tangent I can I can go off on but um it, it was just like well if they do my kids will sleep till nine so I can get up at like five in the morning and you know learn a musical instrument and that was my my plan if they did but now I get home in the in, you know two or three o'clock in the afternoon we check on our awesome garden that we got going on and then you know usually get in the pool and by that time it's either take a bike ride and make dinner and kind of and, and, down. and then fall asleep to Netflix at night. So yeah. I think uh, at least that's what I think everyone else is doing out there. Now um, you said you owned a couple coffee shops. So oh, why don't you kind of just let us know where they're at? Uh, Pura coffee is on I 10 and Antoine on the West side of Houston. And then birdhouse coffee is in Missouri city, Texas, like right off highway six. Yeah, so everybody just to kind of just kind of hey, just help out the little mom and pop little shops out there, and please, yeah. yeah and um, but um, a lot of people were of 2018, but a lot of people I don't think they know that you actually grew up in Texas and played high school water polo in Texas. I moved from Huntington Beach, California, the middle of my junior year of high school. Okay. So, uh, you know, we I did a year and a half at Ross S. Sterling. Um, in Baytown? Yeah, in Baytown. And then from there, went to college. But yeah, I mean, I grew up in California. My dad was kind of in, in the oil um, realm of business. And so uh, he got transferred the middle of my junior year. So um, yeah, it was, it was definitely unique coming from Huntington Beach to Baytown, Texas. That is a that is a big kind of difference there. 
so as so as far as water polo was concerned, I kind of had you played out in in uh, HB uh, before yeah. coming. Yeah, I grew up, um, like I said, in, in Huntington Beach. Uh, I played at Ocean View High School in Huntington. And then um, I was predominantly a baseball player for my whole life. And then my freshman year of high school, I uh, started doing water polo to get out of PE. And the coach was a liar. He said it was basically hanging out in trunks and getting a tan and I already surfed in the morning. So I was like, well, this will be perfect. Like I'm, <laughs> as long as I don't have to be in this, you know, kind of, uh, whacked out PE class. Um, you know, I was like, I was like, I- I'm in, you know, I didn't have baseball till the spring. So, um, I started doing it and I was horrible at first and it, and it was, I didn't really like being horrible. So kind of, uh, accelerated uh kind of my my yeah. thirst for the game whatever but i could throw the ball extremely hard I well, was, there you go i mean you're yeah like your competitive kind of like the instincts kind of kicked in a little bit yeah and i guarantee you it wasn't just hanging out in the swim trunks on the pool deck at ross sterling no no not at all yeah so that was i mean the the unique thing i was i was quite good in in um, California, um, like an average player, I guess what in, in that realm, it was, you know, no, by no means a superstar or anything, but, uh, you know, the, the one thing about coming, moving to Baytown with, um, you know, coach Mack was, uh, he, he tells his stories, like, you know, one of the, his like most favorite days was the, the day he was in the office and they called him from, uh, the, the counselor's office and said, Hey, we have this, uh, this kid who just moved into Baytown and Sterling, his school, uh, he's from California and he plays water polo. <laughs> I think Coach <laughs> Max says, is he big? And, he, and they said, yeah, you know, he's pretty tall. And so like within like 45 seconds, he's running down the hallways, like, you know, <laughs> panting, having a, you know, almost having a heart attack. So, but um, he, he definitely took it way more serious than the two junior college um, guys that coached us at, at Ocean View. Um, so that was, that was quite refreshing um, to get a little bit more structure. Uh, but then just it was uh, definitely a much different sport in, uh, than what I was used to in California. So, But do you have fun playing here? I did. I mean, um, oh, man, yeah. It was, it was unique because, you know, there were, there were some teams that were, that were good and, and a lot of solid players, and there were some teams that were, were not very good. And so I didn't really get a play that long, um, and that kind of was a bummer just because if I scored six or seven goals in three minutes, that was, that was my time. So, um, you know, once they figured out, I think, where – who I was, I, I really never went one-on-one with a lot of guys after about game 10. I usually yeah. had two or three guys on me. So it, it was quite interesting at times, but uh, I mean, it was, it was good. I met a, a lot of super awesome people, lifelong friends, which was, which was cool. And then you went and played water polo in college kind of afterwards, right? Yeah. One of the premier, uh, premier <laughs> institutions for, for water polo <laughs> And uh, this is how premier it was when I attended my first two years, it was named one thing. And the last two years, it was something else. So the, uh, my first two years, it was Salem Techio University, which was uh, water polo school in West Virginia. Again, I make some really unique choices at times. Okay, we all, yeah, yeah. We all make our unique choices out there. <laughs> yeah. and, and, and for those that don't know, it's, yeah, uh, it's, it's now called Salem international it's still uh, and it's in and it's in west virginia it's not a one-stop light town it's a one-stop sign town that's how big it was yeah it was um i believe the best story i have about that is the my freshman year i was gonna drive there my dad was tuning up my truck like the day i was gonna leave or before i was gonna leave and um he broke the carburetor off and so my mom had to like call off work and like we had training camp in like two days and she was like, okay, I got to drive you up there. 
And my, my parents are old school, so I did everything on my own for college. Applications, phone calls, recruiting, everything. They didn't do one portion of it. Um, and so my mom, we're driving up to Salem, uh, and <laughs> we get off on whatever it is. I think it's called Main Street off like 20. And, <laughs> and my mom's just laughing. She's like, are you serious? I had to tell her, shut up. You're not paying a dime for this. So leave me alone. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it, it was. Uh, but it was, I mean, I enjoyed it. I, I played, you know, water polo, swimming and baseball there. So I was really busy. Um, and then after you came back to Texas, uh, do you play a little semi-pro baseball? Yeah, a, a little, a couple months um, in and around the College Station area. Um, you know, I did the same thing with, with water polo right after I was done. I played in Canada for a couple months. I knew a guy there who was on their, like, national junior team. So I went and was able to stay with him and train with – their junior national team and their club team in Ontario, which was a lot of fun. And then, um, yeah, was, was at college station and, uh, it was a deterrence of becoming an adult basically made no money, but, uh, I did get to keep playing sports, which was fun at a competitive level. And I'm sure you got a free meal here or there, right? So. Oh, free housing, free food. It was awesome. Yeah. I mean, it was a, uh, 21 year olds, uh, dream. dream. Yeah. 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 Like, like exactly. And then, um, I moved down to, uh, to Texas. I live, I grew, I grew up in Texas and then I moved back to Texas in January of 2003. And you were there kind of helping Scott with some uh, club. Yeah. Yeah. Scott Slay with some club water pole. And then yeah. you moved out to a, a kind of California, but before you moved out, I believe you coached some pretty good players there. Yeah. Like kind of back in Baytown, kind of whenever they were what a bunch of tenant owners. Yeah, the um, let's see. Scott had been home for a year after he was at Slippery Rock, and we kind of met each other. Um, and plus, we kind of knew each other while I was at Sterling, so we kind of developed a good friendship um, just being in the area. And then um, against, uh, of course, playing against each other. Um, but Scott had been back for a year after he was done at Slippery Rock, and then. Uh, I was back one year following. And so he started uh, Dirty Bay Water Polo, which was, um, you know, a lot of the high school kids and then some of the kids, a lot of siblings from the summer swim team. Um, I, I think it was like Baytown Barracudas. I, I don't even remember. Um, uh, um, yeah. I think it's had a couple different names kind of kind of over the years. So Yeah, so um, the, the – the core group of kids we had, which, you know, went on to be extremely good players was like the, uh, Zane Bilal, Stevie Ray, uh, Matt Chapa, um, Amy Olson, trying to think what else. And Katie and Darla. Katie Vasquez, Darla. Yeah, there was a good group. Um, my sister was that age. Uh, she might've been a year uh, younger than them. But uh, yeah, those were those were kids who um, it kind of shows. I, I think they're some of the, you know, or they have some extremely good success stories as uh, having water polo kind of take you um, through college and education. Um, but that group of kids, you know, definitely saw uh, a lot of different facets of water polo, and it got them to a lot of different places. And yeah, they were and, all extremely good. And those are the kids that played for Sterling back in the late 2000s and such and kind of dominated kind of the high school water polo world then. Yeah. Um, but you left at this, I, I guess you started what at Occidental. Yeah. I was the assistant men's and women's coach for water polo at Occidental. I want to say Oh three, Oh five or Oh, Oh four to Oh six. It might be Oh four to Oh six. Um, I did two years there and then, um, you know, kind of decided, okay, I think I can, I can, I think I would be a quality head coach. And so then I left there and went to Huntington Beach High School. And I was there for, oh, I finished the year out, but I kind of knew I was getting the job at Whittier, um, let's say like the end of CIF swim season. So I coached everything at Huntington Beach with, with another um, 
another coach there, uh, men's and women's or boys and girls water polo, and then boys and girls. I was also the swim coach as well. So, uh, and then started at Whittier in '07. Yeah, that's a and that's a. I mean, yeah, yeah. Was that a big step from the high school coaching ranks to the college coaching ranks? No, I mean uh, the the really unique thing about my time at Occidental was the the coach that was there, the head coach. Um, had a ton of respect for me and, and kind of what I viewed in the game and how I trained the kids. So I, I felt like I got to do a lot, which was really cool. And I know that there's some uh, assistants that don't have as much uh, involvement in, in the programs at times. So I kind of took that and always wanted to make sure I incorporated it um, so that I was, I was always doing a good job for my assistance once I became a head coach. Um, but uh, no, it wasn't. I, I was, uh, of course, definitely, you, you know, as when I started coaching, the pinnacle, I guess, in the United States is being able to coach at the collegiate level. You know, that's sure. kind of like our ceiling other than the national team or, and stuff like that. So there's very few spots there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And there's very few spots in the, um, at the collegiate coaching rank. So, um, you know, to, I got that job when I was 26. And so I think I was the youngest coach in the NCAA history for a while. Um, there might be, be some now, but, um, yeah, I always tell my boss, I, I said, was I, was I your fourth choice or was I the only person who took it for the money <laughs> yeah like because <laughs> Whittier was not uh, it had had some success before I got there in like 04 on the men's side but it wasn't a powerhouse and it was a really really small school um but I didn't really kind of understood I was like how I ended up with that gig so maybe it's true to form you got to be a little lucky sometimes and right place right time and, say uh, yeah like and exactly and I think Whittier was lucky to have you for those that don't know uh, uh, Justin made Whittier into a powerhouse and he was probably one of the best recruiters that I've ever seen kind of, yeah. And just kind of tell us a, a little bit of, about those years about kind of how you built the program and kind of sustained the success. Uh, well, it was, it was unique. I think it took me a year to kind of figure out, um, for those who, who don't know, like the most candid thing I can say about collegiate water polo and being a coach is recruiting is 90% of it. Um, it's just, I agree. it's very encompassing. Um, you can be the best coach in the world, but if you don't have kids that can do what you need them to do, it's going to be extremely hard. Um, you know, so it, it was definitely, it took me about a year to kind of navigate things and kind of figure out what the niche was for Whittier and what kind of kids I could get or um, were recruitable um, and stuff like, you know, it, 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 it took a little time to kind of build the savviness of, of that. But by, it was my third year on the men's side was our first national championship. So um, we actually lost in the semifinals of Sky at conference, but went on to beat Air Force in the first round of WWPA. So it was, I think it was one of the highest finish for a Skyac team in the WWPA um, in history. I, I'm pretty sure, at least modern day history. Um, and then uh, it took me a little while to kind of get the girls program running, uh, just kind of where I wanted it to. Um, but after a while, uh, the good thing about collegiate sports is, and especially if you're a recruitable athlete, is being able to um, talk to the current athletes that are there. And, and after you've been there for a while, I think a lot of athletes want to know that you're credible. So if I told a senior, uh, like, the, hey, this is where I think you would help us out in our program, and, and this is what I, I can, I think I, I'm going to be able to offer you here, whether it's competing for a championship or playing time and stuff like that. Um, you want your current athletes to be able to hold true to that can be like, yeah, coach is, is telling the truth. You know, like everything he's telling you is going to be exactly correct. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Which, you know, yeah. in, in, in the collegiate coaching um, athletics, it's, 
sometimes it's not always honest, um, you know, and, and people will say some things to kind of get a kid there or whatever they need to do. And, and, and I think that kind of comes back and, and kind of will bite you reputation wise. And that stuff doesn't play out very long. So I can, I completely agree with you. And as far as the coaching, you know, um, as you know, I, I coach in college kind of a little bit and I was always like, I'm just going to be completely and utterly honest. This yes. is the way it is. This is the way I am. And I do believe that, uh, that, uh, that, you know, you have to be like kind of honest kind of with the athletes and you have to, or they have to know that you care. And because, yeah, yeah because they're going to ask why. And if you, and kind of, and if you answer the question, if they know that you care, they're going to believe you. So, yeah. Yeah. And, and I just, uh, I was like, well, I'm not gonna, you know, I was, I was kind of like not scared, but, uh, you know, I was an extremely disciplined, uh, coach and I made my teams work extremely hard, extremely hard. Uh, you know, I always told people I, I want to, this might be division three water polo, but I'm going to give you all of the division one I got, like any, anything I can do to make us better. We are going to do it. We will train harder than any team. I, in our conference, we will put in more hours. I will put in more research. I will scout more. I'll do whatever I have to do. So, um, you know, my first couple of years, I don't think I really would tell a recruit that. And then I just said, Oh, you know, whatever. I'm just going to tell them exactly what they're going to get because if they came there and then they were, they were like, Oh no, I didn't, <laughs> I didn't think it was going to be like this. Exactly. And then, you know, you would have an unhappy athlete or an unhappy coach. And so it just didn't work out. So I, I feel like once we, uh, once by my third year at Whittier, we kind of had some success. Um, we tailed off, a little bit. I mean, a little bit was like for me after a while, not being in the championship game. Um, and that was just due to our facility being built. So like after 2009, I went through two years with no pool. Uh, I would, we were traveling, fun. <laughs> yeah, traveling nomads. Um, but then by the first year, uh, we got our pool at Whittier. I want to say, uh, 2012 for the men. I think it was. I think it was 2012. By the next year, we were in the championship game, and so were the women. Um, and so I think my whole – from there, 2012 to 2018, I think I was in every Sky championship game. Yeah, I mean, I think you had, uh, like, a lot of tremendous success. So I think it kind of surprised some people when you chose to kind of pack up the family and drive across – yeah, and drive cross country kind yeah. of – and kind of and – kind of, uh, come to Sugarland, Texas. That's so right. what? So what kind of prompted that move? Uh, you know, I mean, coaching just it takes a lot of time. Um, I missed a lot of my uh, my older kids' youth, and when it, when I've been there, it was like year ten. I think I was there for eleven years. Like year ten, I was. You know, I just came to a point where I said, well, if I, we're going to keep doing this, they're going to have to make it worth my while. Um, you know, and I had kind of gotten some other looks or hushes at times from other programs and, um, you know, bigger programs, notable kind of D Division One programs and um, about making a move maybe or if I'd be interested. And I love my time at Whittier. It was perfect spot. Um, but again, if I was going to make it worth my while, you know, uh, when it came down to it, I had to ask that they wouldn't or couldn't fulfill. Um, and so I could have kept coaching there for, you know, what I was, what I was making forever, you know, probably. Um, but I just decided, well, I didn't think it was worth it anymore. You know, like it's just too much. It's a lot of time. It's a, a lot a lot of time. I know. And uh, kind of their losses, Texas's gain has the move kind of, kind of worked out well for you and your family. It's been super awesome. Yeah. I mean, I do it over again, you know, 99 out of a hundred times. So uh, quality of life, 
I get to see my kids a lot more. Um, you know, the money here goes tremendously longer. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Like you probably came here and uh, and yeah, and what do they say? You can buy a three times bigger house for a third of the cost. As, as like a seventh, like yeah. a seventh of the cost. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. You know, and and you you get older and you start having kids, so things kind of you know they become uh, you, you have different views and kind of goals once you you get to a certain point of what's important. You know, there's some coaches that like they they have to coach, like their identity is in coaching and their soul is in coaching, like everything they have. And not to say that I didn't put that in there, but I didn't need um, I didn't need it to. I guess, be happy or like survive, you know? So it wasn't something where, unfortunately it wasn't that hard. I was like, well, they made it pretty easy for me to say, okay. So um, yeah, living out in the suburbs of Houston, it's awesome. We've reached the halfway point of our conversation with Justin Putwell and we'll come right back after this. In many podcasts, this time would be filled with ads for electric toothbrushes or recruiting services. Not here. Instead, we're asking you to show your support for TX Water Polo by donating to it. Go to txwaterpolo.com donate and help us continue covering the sport we love in the Lone Star State. Hi, I'm U.S. Olympian Janai Kerr, and when I need to stay up to date with my water polo news in Texas, I listen to the TX Water Polo podcast. Now more with Justin Pudwill. now that you're back here and you hadn't really been back here for an extended period of time, I guess, since the early 2000s, kind of thoughts on the growth of kind of water polo on the high school level, the club level, just in general. Um, well, I mean, it's all grown tremendously. I think, I guess, what was that right around 2001 when I was back and, and working with Scott Slay, um, we were at Baytown. I think we were the only year round club in, in all of Houston. So we would get kids that would drive from Alvin Umble, uh, the West side of Houston, Katie, uh, mm -hmm. to come to our practices, you know, like they drove from, from, I mean, hours, like an hour and a half away, um, which was cool. But um, now I, I definitely think there's, on the club scene, there's definitely a lot more options, which is good. Uh, yeah. And to kind of stay within your, your, uh, I don't know if you could do it in just one city, but kind of like in your area. And I, and I think that's a good, I think that's a good model. You know? Yeah. I think there's what about seven probably full-time uh, year round water polo clubs kind of, kind of down in Houston. And I talked to some of the coaches and they're like, oh, just people don't want to drive the 10, 15 minutes. They have no idea. Yeah. No, no idea. I mean, you get that in California. You got kids that drive from from Riverside Monday through Friday to go practice at, uh, you know, like out in Tustin where SoCal's at. Like that's an insane, an insane drive to make at like five o'clock. <laughs> yes, I mean, but that, but they're, but they're making that drive for a different reason, right? I mean, for the reason that people kind of, kind of used to make the drive because that was the only option in town. Yeah. Well, I mean, th this isn't even that long ago. They're just. Um, there are a lot more options in Southern California and you get those people that, you know, they do drive that. I don't, I, I mean, there's perfectly good clubs out there and I understand and it's, it's we're getting more towards the uh, athlete specialization and, you know, parents are very highly involved in, um, you know, trying to make things successful for the kids and what they think is right and wrong and stuff like that. But, um, well, like the one thing that um, I, I deal with a lot of coaches and club admins and, and, yeah, and they would go, well, this club's recruiting my kids here or, you know, a kid's jumping from this club to this club. And, and I'm like, well, these are the first world water pole problems. We yep. never had these problems kind of before, you know, when there was only one club and such. And there was probably only one true year-round club almost throughout the 2000s. Yeah. Down, yeah, kind of, yeah, just kind of down in Houston. So now we have what probably twenty different kind of youth clubs in Texas. This is great. Yeah, no, it's good. And the the high school scene is it's there's definitely a lot more teams playing, which is um, a positive. And the UIL 
um, sanctioning for 2021, that's, that's positive. You know, all that stuff's positive. Um, there's still quite a long way to go in, in multiple facets of water polo in Texas, as there is in a lot of places. But uh, it, it's, I think that gauge of growth is, is probably pretty solid since I left last time. So that's, that's pretty good. At least it's not the same, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, and uh, yeah, and yeah, for those that didn't hear at the beginning, uh, Justin's the head high school referee in Houston. So in, yeah, before the whole COVID-19 started, there was a ton of new referees in Houston. That's yes. a, and that's a credit to you. Thank you so much. Kind of how did that happen? And, uh, and how was it going? Um, I think it was going well. I mean, this is my first season. (laughs) I didn't really have much to gauge it from, but, um, we added anywhere from 30 to 40 new officials in the Houston area. And from what I've been told, that was really good. Um, that's, that's fabulous. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, you know, I ran three or four clinics kind of in the winter kind of leading up the season, and um, I just think that the, the group or officials as a whole uh, needed, you know, kind of somebody to say, like, I got your back. You know, like, I'll, I'll be there if you guys need help, education, training, whatever it may be. Um, and so I just tried to provide that. It, it actually didn't take a ton of effort to be able to get there. But we got a really good, um, you know, we, we, there was probably – eight solid officials that we, you know, just came out that were first years that could do a a very good job in, in this area. And then, you know, 10 that were like development and needed help. And then 10 that were like, Hey, if you give it a season by next year, you'll be, you know, even better. So, um, it was, it was good. Uh, and it was going well. We had, you know, zero problems. Um, everyone was, showing up on time in proper attire which was good the professionalism was one thing i really wanted to work on um in in water polo overall of course yes that's that's a whole nother podcast i can i can go off on the uh state of our sport and um you know if you want to take things seriously don't show up to coach a game in a tank top and flip-flops and then backwards hat and uh, rip shorts and such yes i completely agree yeah then, then we can we can we can have a discussion so um but it was going well you know like i said I, we had a lot of ton uh, some very positive feedback um you know the the signer joe rubio i think was doing a good job as a first year in, in his role and trying to make sure that we uh kind of work together um yeah, but it was it was going good. It was it was kind of a bummer to to kind of see everything put on hold uh, because I was quite impressed with where the officials organization was going. I, yeah, and, I mean, yeah, in the Houston area, I thought it was doing. Uh, we we had a really good first step. Yeah, I like I heard only only good things from down there, and the the best thing that I heard was the relationship between the refs on deck and the coaches on deck. It was it was cordial and professional and that and nothing kind of like there, there wasn't anything that escalated. Yeah, no. And, and I tried to, um, you know, just kind of inform and educate from all realms, um, you know, being involved in this sport in many different facets and seeing it on many different levels. Um, you know, if the, the sport in Texas is going to elevate, and, and get better, it's going to take everyone, you know, high school exactly. coaches, club coaches, parents, uh, officials. And so um, I, thought I, I thought I did a very good job in just kind of uh, educating our officials about being professional and, and making their product look professional, like they cared, like they were there to do the best job possible. Um, and so I, I did kind of send out a couple of precursors to coaches about what this season meant for 2021 um, and, and moving forward and uh, what I would appreciate them to do and vice versa. Um, and, I, and I didn't get any feedback, so it must have been positive. You know, I guess they just I didn't get anything. But um, 
you know, kind of open the communication between coaches and officials. I told coaches, if you want to send me clips of certain scenarios with an official for a teaching moment, like I am totally down for that. Um, you know, keep me up to date, make sure that, you know, my group is staying professional. And so I think it was going really well. Um, you know, so it, it's a start. It's a start. No, And then we have, uh, we have another little dry run season for next spring, the last kind of club high school season. Yep. And then we got fall of 2021 and I, and, uh, and thank you so much for all the effort and time down there. Yeah, no um, and then um, I'm sure you've listened to kind of the, like the Mac uh, kind of podcast that we've had the last couple of weeks, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. So you play for Mac. Any thoughts on, on like kind of what Mac was saying and stuff or the history of water polo in Texas, like kind of some of the best teams, boys, girls, except? Yeah, I, I, I do. And he shouldn't have been so bashful, but that his, um, I guess it was 2001. I, I have two bo boys teams that I think had the most talent. And I think, you know, they won their years, the, the 01, um, Sterling group with uh, Dusty, Dustin Fleming, Dusty Gaudet, Trace Ruddick, my brother, Andrew Pudwell, um, Jay Ray was on that squad, uh, Stevie Ray, the, Stevie Ray and Zane, they were all freshmen, so they were, they were all really young or eighth graders, and so I was there coaching during that time. That was an exceptionally good team, uh, very strong. They only lost one game. And um, I think they beat Clear Creek in the final, like, 12 to 4. Like, it was stomping. Um, Just the domination. Then, yeah, yeah. And then um, the, the Zane, Stevie, Matt Chapa, um, that group, when, whenever they were seniors, was really good. And, and I only base that on this, looking at it as a college coach, like, that group, I tried to recruit <laughs> Matt Zane, Stevie, um, I think those were the three. And, and we had some ties to it, of course. And then looking back on it, um, on my brothers, that, that 01 team, there were three or four kids that could play at a, at a high level in college. Um, they wouldn't have been, you know, superstars or anything, but they would make a, a dramatic impact on, on a program, I think. So um, that's kind of how I, I look at it. Um, the women's team, I do remember that St. Agnes team that he was talking about because I think I played that year. I, I was a senior, and I think they were really strong, and they were all really good up the middle. Like they had a really good goalie, and I can't remember who was what, but that girl, uh, a really good center and a really good center defender. Oh, Jenny Edwards? Uh, yes, yes, and I think she went to Hartwick. I can't remember exactly where they went, but uh, I always kind of look at, like, success sometimes is, is uh, making sure that that sport gets you to college. And, and if you're having a, a place where um, you have value and you have a really good career, you know, if you get like four or five of those on one high school team, they're, they're going to be pretty good. Yeah. I but just, I, yeah. Like people used to ask me, so Joe, what team's going to win here? And then it, and, yeah, and they go, yeah, just give me a sec. And I go one, two, three, four, and then one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Uh, they are. I go, and he goes, so what do you count up? I go, oh, the amount of kids that did uh, club water polo. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, and, and then a lot of the coaches for the club teams kind of back then and now, I, I think they do a good job of kind of creating some strong foundation for success. It's, and it's not just water polo skills, it's the life skills. And those are the type of things that the college coaches are looking for. Yeah, no, and that I would say in Texas directly – probably has direct correlation on your success like how much club water polo do you play and how early do you start exactly um, exactly you know and and putting in you know time and effort so um but yeah i mean i i, I missed a good portion of it but i did recruit a lot of kids out of texas at at times um you know so you know and, and usually you have some you have some kind of tie to that kid, whether it's like, oh, that coach used to be my, you know, we're really good friends or, um, you know, you get a recommendation here or there. Or I coached that kid when they were eight and now they're 18. Uh, you <laughs> or know, 30 which, or whatever. It could yeah, be. which is true to, <laughs> <laughs> true to form. Um, but yeah, I, I don't 
I don't remember, you know, too many, I would guess like team wise, because once I got into college coaching, I was, I was definitely more just interested in the, the athlete, right? Like I could care less who wins. Right. You yeah. know, so it was like, I'm watching that athlete over there. Cause I think they can help me win uh, at my level. So. Exactly. I mean, yeah. And it's, you know, and playing in college, I think that's a goal, but that's not an end game necessarily because, you know, a kid needs to find what's going to be best for them. But, you know, that's always going to be the goal. And I think just giving a lot of opportunities out there for, yeah, for athletes and kind of just showing them the, like, the different options. That's like the key thing. There are opportunities for, for players from Texas to go play at the next level. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, and that's a, yeah, after doing it as long as I have, I always would try when I would recruit kids is trying to tell them is like, you want to make sure you find like the best fit, like somewhere where you're going to have value because no kid I ever recruited said, well, like I'm looking forward to going to Whittier just so I can ride the bench. <laughs> and so many, so many athletes have illusions of grandeur and not that it's bad or not that it's wrong. It's just a little bit different in kind of how I would view, um, you know, playing sports in college, you know, like I played sports from the time I was four all the way up till I was 24 when I stopped playing water polo. And um, I couldn't imagine going to a college or a university and riding the bench for four years. And I would kick myself even more if it was because I shot too high and went to a school um, just because your high school coach says you're the best or your parents or blah, 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 whatever. And then they end up going somewhere and it's like, that kid would have started for me at Whittier and been a four-time All-American. And I think they scored two goals their whole college career. and quit by their junior year you know yeah, I mean they're I mean I tell kids I sit them down and kids or at least or at least they used to I used to sit kids down and go okay a b c or d a you are part of their solution you're going to play your freshman year and go forward from there yeah okay you may not play a whole lot your freshman year but you're, yeah 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 but you're definitely going to play c all right you're probably going to play your junior senior year d you might play your senior year what yeah. do you think? and be honest <laughs> Because if you don't want CD and you only want AB, that's a, then you're going to eliminate a ton of schools out there. Yes. So, yeah. but you have to be realistic. And that's what I tell, um, that's what I still tell like the parents and athletes and coaches today. Just make sure you're, yeah, like you're, you're realistic and don't. And there are some, there are some good programs. Like there are people that say, I only, I only want to play division one. I'm like, okay, well, there are Division Two and Division Three teams that are in the top 20 that are beating the crap out of all, a bunch of Division One teams. Correct. And that's a little bit different than the rest of the sports world, and that's what I don't think people know. Yeah, it's – I mean, there are still at times even, you know, 11 years in at Whittier and, you know, winning five national championships and, you know, and we beat teams in the top 10, like, Teams we had no business ever beating. We should have never beat. Um, and I, I, think you, I think you had some pretty strong teams in there for, for a couple of years. No, yeah, no, I did, you know, but, you know, if I, I look at it as if, um, you know, Division three, we have restrictions, right? I had no athletic scholarships, and we had time restrictions. At a Division one school, there's no restrictions. You can train year-round all the time. You have yeah. to take breaks here and there. But you, so if I had that ability to be able to do that with some of my teams, I, I think we would have been extremely, extremely good. Um, yeah, but, there's some challenges, but there's just, there's so many opportunities. I know nobody told me of a bunch of different opportunities. Yeah, kind of back in the early 90s, uh, whenever I graduated. And now there are a ton of opportunities and there's even an, an opportunity here in our state and there's going to be more opportunities in our state kind of down the line. So just, if you're listening kind of out there, just open your mind, talk to everybody yeah, and listen to the coach. There's, there's a lot of good, I mean, like I said, you want to find the best fit. I think finding the best fit and find somewhere where you're going to have value 
is, uh, you know, all colleges, universities, they're all good, you know. Uh, they all do a good job in the education. Uh, it just depends, like, you know, if you want to go to a big school, you're going to cut out a lot of water polo schools, and then you're going to be in a whole nother water polo realm because most of the big schools are all D1. <laughs> and exactly. there's going to be, when you show up on deck your first day and there's, you know, 55 men on deck, and you're like, oh no. <laughs> and there, and, uh, and of that, there were 30 freshmen, and the next year there's going to be another 30 freshmen. So there you go. Yeah. There are, there are plenty of good opportunities kind of out there. Yeah. So now, so whenever I have the different coaches on, I always like to ask them a question. So, um, kind of what type of coach are you? So what kind of build, like kind of, so what kind of it are your core values as a coach and kind of what you want to do with a program and such? Uh, in, in a nutshell, I was extremely disciplinarian, I guess is how I would maybe put it very focused. Um, You're preaching you know, the choir, I, by the way. Yeah, I, I think, you know, I wanted things, I didn't have a lot of time to like, well, you know, if, if I tell this to Joe now, like, I hope he gets it by tomorrow. Like, you know, when you, when, when you have to be a master of a three month season, you've got to get stuff done immediately. Exactly. Like there's no time. And, and, and I will give a lot of props to a lot of, a good number of coaches in that sky conference that starts August 20th and has a very solid water polo product by the time you get to November that's an extremely hard thing to do. And so we had a, a lot of really good coaches who were good at that one thing. And so that was an, another thing is I got, I think I got pretty good at, at being able to do that, like getting the best out of my kids in three months. Um, two, I just, I coached as if I never wanted to let the kids down. Like nobody wants to have that. Oh, I'm sorry, you know, we got so close, you know, like just hoping to like make it to a championship game was like never enough. Um, and, and I just wanted to give them the best product so you didn't have to give that talk. That talk sucks. I yeah. mean, as many times as I've won, I've given half of those talks as well, you know, and, and it's defeating, you know, and so... I just tried to work as hard as possible. I don't really have any like coaching philosophy and, um, you know, tactics is one thing, but I just tried, I tried to give the kids the, the program that, you know, I would talk to them when I was recruiting, like you're going to work extremely hard. And for that in return, you get to compete for championships. Like we'll be there at the end. You have the possibility to go into the hall of fame at Whittier and have banners hung and wear rings. And that was something I made true on a lot, which was, which was good for me or else I would have looked like an idiot. <laughs> no, I think you did a great job there and, you know, just working hard and working harder than the next coach or, and I mean, that's, and that's all a kid can ask for. You know, I mean, there was a, there was one time where a bunch of kids were sitting around and they were talking about their coach does this or their coach does that. And I, and, and I stopped and go, hey, you know what? I am a little bit meaner than a lot of them. Right? Yeah, kind of, but we know that you care. And then I started thinking about it. Yeah. And then I started thinking, so what do I do to make them know that I care? And just, and just working hard and showing up and being organized and being, yeah, and being blunt and straight uh, and straightforward and not wasting their time of yeah. everything that you talked about. You're right in my little, uh, that is, that is uh, kind of right in my alley for sure. So. Yeah. And I mean, there's, there's good ways. Like I was, I would say I was very, oh, not mean, but I was very anxious and um, I wanted to win really bad right away. And, and it might, you know, it doesn't always go like that, you know, no, you no, no, no. 
they'll, they'll give you all the adages. It's like, you, you got to lose first to, to win and blah, blah, blah. Um, but, you know, I was extremely focused. And then, you know, from my first five years at Whittier to my last five years, I definitely um, realized that kind of like not being softer, but, you know, having some more relaxed moments um, at times were created a really good uh, just just between me and the kids rather than they were always just really scared on how angry I was going to be. Um, well, it's, it's an, a kid once told me, they're not mean. He's just honest. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I, and, and I, I tell them, the kids who played for me my first five years at Whittier, I tell them all the time, like, there's probably things I could have done better um, just within the relationship between me and the players that I probably would have got a much better result out of. And I, and I tell them that all the time, like, I – we probably, if, if I failed a group and we didn't make it as far as I thought we did, um, looking back at it now, I could say like, you know, I could have done some things differently, you know, and, and just rapport wise. And my kids always work really hard for me. Like it didn't, you know, I would, you would have problems here or there, blah, 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 and stuff like that. That's normal. That comes throughout being an athlete and a coach. But, um, I think my last five years, I definitely did a much better job. Like my team wanted to really play hard for me rather than they're scared to play not hard for me. If that yeah, and, and, yeah. And that's just, that's just you being yourself and kind of, kind of getting the buy-in from everybody. And then the kids buy in and, yep. you know, and then it's just like the success takes care of the, of the success. It just kind of yep. builds on itself. So. Well, Justin, thank you so much for joining us on the TX Water Polo Podcast. I do appreciate it. Um, just kind of take care and be safe and stay healthy. You too, Joe. Take care. All right, thanks. Well, that's it. Thanks to Justin Pudwell for spending a good chunk of time Skyping with Joe. And thank you for listening and for your support of TXWaterPolo.com. Until next week, so long from Austin. been a production of TWP Sports LLC. My dog is scratching at the door. Uh, I can hear him.